0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Tijan Sis. I'm a member of the Positive Impact Equity team at UBP, acting as a junior portfolio manager and analyst in the team. I'm delighted to be joined today by Sean Doherty from Transaction Capital, a South African-based company in which we've been shareholders since the inception of our Positive Impact Emerging Equity Strategy in 2020. Hi, Sean. Thanks a lot for joining me today. How are you doing? Hi, Sean. Thank you for having me. I'm well, thanks. How are you? very good thanks would you mind introducing yourself briefly and tell us about your role at transaction capital sure
1: um as you mentioned my name is sean doherty i'm a group cfo of uh, the transaction capital group um we're a guess, like i said, diversified financial play in south africa we have three subsidiaries one being transaction capital risk services the other sa taxi and the third which is relatively recent um being we buy cars
0: Very well. So we're here today to talk generally about financial inclusion. The World Bank estimates that 1.7 billion adults globally remain unbanked, meaning that they're without an account at a financial institution and without access to basic financial services. What do you think the situation is like in South Africa specifically?
1: Um, I'll touch on a few stats. The unbanked population in South Africa at the moment is around about 25%, which is um a large percentage. I I guess I would think of that relatively. Um, We're a country, unfortunately, that have um, 81% of our population only um, with running water and 65% only with flushing toilet. So in that context, a 75% banked population is maybe not that that bad, but um, not really acceptable in terms of what we want to try to do as a society. Um, Also, just to bear in mind in South Africa, that is a a, a result of a lot of things, but um, we have, unfortunately, some fairly poor macro stats at the moment. So a third of all South Africans, and getting worse, a third of all South Africans at the moment are unemployed. When you look at youth unemployment, and that's um, ages 15 to 34, and that's around about 46 and a half to 50%. So not uh, not um, sort of great stats. Household debt-to-income uh, ratios, are almost 80%, and as I say, getting worse. I think COVID has exacerbated. Um, unfortunately, around about 34, 35% of households, um, which are in the middle co- class at the moment, are expected to exit that. So, not only do we have um, financial uninclusion, if that is a word, but we also have, unfortunately, fairly, fairly tough structural um, issues which we need to deal with as a society and as a country. Yeah, I see. Very difficult. So. In terms of
0: financial inclusion, without access to basic financial services, a lot of people have no way of saving money, accessing credit, building credit histories, transferring money, or subscribing to insurance. Uh, what type of services
1: do you offer to tackle this problem as a company? The, the most relevant company to speak about in, in this regard is, is SA Taxi. Um, and what SA Taxi do is they are a financier and an insurer to the um, taxi industry in South Africa. And um, to put it in context, um, um, from a commuter perspective, I get our version of public transport in South Africa really is the minibus uh, taxi, uh, around about three quarters or, or 75% of, of our population move to work and, and elsewhere via public transport. Um, of that, you know, 87 odd percent of that is S-taxis. So, so the taxi industry is a critical form of mobility and getting people to work. And we always say, no, um, economic activity cannot start unless the taxis are moving in the country, and, and I think that is that is true. Um, again, COVID has exacerbated issues we had in public transport in the country, especially around bus and train. Um, they already were decreasing and decreasing relatively quickly, but COVID has accelerated that. Um, I'm actually unsure if the uh, train has actually started up since we've come through this uh, this latest COVID um this COVID wave. So to put uh, to put it in numbers, and obviously I quoted a percentage, but fifteen million commuters um, are in taxis mm-hmm. in South Africa every day. Just over a million um, move via mm-hmm. train and 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 rail. So you can see the the, the disparity and the difference there. Um, why is that important? Um, uh, the so, so taxi and what taxi do, as I mentioned earlier, is we finance um, a proportion of these taxis and there are around about 250,000 taxis um, in the country. And if I think of that in terms of an average weighted life, and and it is important, and if you've been to South Africa and seen the state of some of these taxis, you'll understand why, but the average weighted life of that 250 odd thousand taxis is around about nine, nine and a half years. Of the 250, 80,000 in the country um, are financed, we finance around about 30,000 of those 80. Um, so if you think of the finance uh, portion, um, probably three and a half to four years, average weighted life, and then obviously the balance, uh, push push that close to nine or 10. Um, we also don't um, finance um, those taxis based on traditional credit metrics. And we, we, we sort of don't finance people that the banks traditionally would finance. And there's a slight overlap in terms of how we would compete with the banks. But generally, we push down into people who would not have access to bank finance. And the way we're able to do that is we have very, very powerful data. Um, the data is driven off telematics or tracker devices in each of those taxis. And we understand, you know, one, the routes that a taxi will drive on. So by way of example, we know that if you drive Soweto to Johannesburg, we'd understand how many kilometers that is. We We'd understand how full your taxi needs to be and how many trips you would need to make a day to be profitable and to have a, a living wage. So based on that information, based on a taxi operator or potential taxi operator having a license um, which is obviously it's mandated um, based on what association they belong to um, and based on what car or what vehicle they are trying to finance we'd understand all of those things and be able to triangulate them to give credits on a forward-looking basis so in other words we would be able to say you know um, Mr. X um, has no asset at the moment if he is to buy an asset a a Toyota um, Hiace for 500,000 Rand um, and do the Soweto Johannesburg route. One, he'll be able to afford his instalments and I can talk about instalments a little bit later. Um, and two, he'll be able to earn a living wage as well because it doesn't really help if all he can do is pay his finance instalments and his insurance. So that's how how how, how we look at it. Um, a very different way of, um, of looking at um, credits and a very different way of bringing is people had, who had no access to credits into the financial, um, the financial market. Obviously, what we also do within that is provide insurance. People obviously don't have to take our insurance, but we are um, we are a good insurer, a very good insurer of taxis. It's what we do. It's what we understand. So not only do they get a finance loan, but that would be insured as well. Um, and then what we do see is over time, as these guys um, buy more and more vehicles and become more and more profitable and better and better operators, eventually they actually do migrate from us up into, um, the real, um, in inverted commas, real banks, you know, the, the, the West banks and the like, so that's, um, that's probably the, the, the part of the business, which is most, um, I guess, driving the sort of inclusion or this financial inclusion.
0: Yes. And in that, in addition to that, you also provide refurbishments, repair services, secondhand products, and I've been lucky enough to, to visit your factories before COVID, um, but also that
1: must help in the financing side does it so initially we went into um the refurb side of the business really as a credit risk mitigant um so you know we we get asked often and it's absolutely valid question how can you be profitable and earn the sorts of roes we do earn when you're financing such high credit risk Um, and and the answer is well there there are a number of answers to that Uh, i've already explained how we uh, credit vet, and we also um look at what our operators are doing on a daily basis because we have those trackers in their cars. So we understand how many kilometers they are traveling on a daily basis. And uh, therefore, when we speak to them and we collect from them, we are able to understand whether they can afford an installment or not. So, so that's important. Um, but but absolutely critical is what you mentioned, an ability to repossess people who haven't paid, um, which, which is important in this market, and then an ability to refurbish those cars and then sell them out the other side. So not only do you close the back end of of credit and credit risk, but you also open up the front end in terms of another sales channel. Um, What we are seeing increasingly, specifically as we go through COVID um, and hopefully come out the other side in the next six months, we are seeing affordability as a theme um, be very, very high on our agenda and on our customer's agenda. So this ability to produce a refurbished uh, taxi, we call them quality renewed taxis, And sell those into the market is really really important it puts the price of affording a vehicle and therefore an asset which is income earning in an operator's hands it pushes it down if you can push it down more people can afford these and less go into default so so it started off as a uh, a credit risk mitigant it actually now has become another vehicle that um that is saleable
0: amazing and how do you finance yourself and what type of organizations stakeholders are you involved with in this specific SA taxi business
1: we have three kinds of funding vehicles um if, if i think about it at a high level um you know we have normal term loans um we have um securitization vehicles and we have a warehouse um the warehouse at the moment is provided um by two local banks our our, our real big uh, commercial banks house banks I, I guess if you want to call them that um we have a number of securitization vehicles as i mentioned those notes are taken up by um, institutional investors across uh, across the piece, across both South Africa and internationally. And then we have certain um, certain vehicles which are really just for DFIs, um, development finance institutions, um, and they provide generally longer-term money. Um, they are mainly in the U.S. One I think is in Canada and and in Europe. Um, and as I say, longer-term money, obviously slightly higher um cost of funding because we do hedge it out straight away and we don't take any um interest rates or fx risk um on those but those are those are the sort of debt funders we have um from an equity uh, funder perspective which is is mainly at the hold co at tc level um again lots of big institutions in south africa but really pleasingly we have and it bounces around a little bit but we have between 25 and 30 percent of our shareholder base which is international um, which we've we worked sort of very hard on and a lot of those internationals generally seem to be very very patient capital they, they, they've obviously liked what we do in the business and they like not just the commercial returns we generate but also the social impact we make very nice
0: are there any other business lights that you're involved in that you'd like to talk about uh
1: today Um, Yes, I'd I'd like to talk about, uh, or to just just mention, uh, TCRS, which is uh, Transaction Capital Risk Services. Um, That business is, in the main, a a debt collector, and we collect as both agent or as principal. Agent means we'd collect on behalf of um, banks, retailers, and the like. Principal means we'd buy the debt off their balance sheet and obviously um, hold it in ours, and we'd collect um, ultimately for ourselves. Uh, Normally, we obviously would buy that um, at a discount. And and then we would sort of back ourselves to be able to collect uh, more over over time. And the reason the reason I just wanted to bring that up is that it's just another it's another business which is involved in the credit cycle. Um, we have again so, so just some stats for you of the 30 um, odd million credit uh, active South Africans that uh, are in the country at the moment. A little bit less than half of them are in some kind of financial distress. Um, obviously, consumption drives um, was, is part of what drives um, an economy and, and economic activity. Um, so, it's really important to do two things, we think. One, the individual debtor to rehabilitate them. So, to get them back into the credit markets by um, rehabilitating them and rehabilitating them um, responsibly. And the second thing is to create capacity in the banks and in other corporates so that they can continue to lend. And capacity obviously is just pure balance sheet capacity on the one hand, but it is also operational capacity on the other hand. So, you know, do you have the people to collect, the systems to collect, um, the administrators to, to to collect? And we, 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 we do both. So we obviously rehabilitate and we create capacity in corporates to carry on lending and drive the economy. Not always the way you think about a debt collector, but I think it is important just to um, highlight um, highlight that component of our business. Yeah, I see.
0: And what, from what was said so far, it seems like transaction capital is focused on creating positive social impact, but I would argue that you also have uh, an environmental side to it. Uh, do you have anything to say about that as well?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think um, environmental risk and environmental opportunity um, is becoming more and more Important. I mean, I think just over the weekend there were some reports to release, which were which were quite frightening. If you if you if you do read the detail about what we um, do need to change the trajectory of of global warming, um, so 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 we do. We we look very very hard at our various scopes. Given we are a financial institution, in the main scope one and two are small and and probably are not massively relevant. We obviously do try to limit these, and we will continue to to limit them going forward. Um, scope three is bigger, given that we um, finance a fleet of taxis. So what we have done and con- so, uh, so we will continue to do is we've done a few things. So one, just because people are taking public transport versus driving their own car, that is better environmentally than uh, just, just pure private vehicles. That's the one thing um, we're involved in. The second thing is we have con- started to convert our fleet from petrol to diesel, which is better from a, an emissions perspective. Um, And most excitingly, but but it will be longer term and it will take time, is we're starting to look at certain EVs and experiment with which EVs could be robust enough to um, be the taxis of the future. Obviously, that will um, involve working with government on policy and trying to get the infrastructure in the country um, robust enough to, to be able to have EVs across the country. Well, Thanks a lot for
0: that. I think that was a good introduction to transaction capital. As a conclusion, I would just like to say that democratizing access to finance can help people to save and receive credits, empowering them to embrace opportunities and build financial resilience. So Sean, I don't want to take too much more of your time. Thank you very much for joining me on this podcast today. And to all of our listeners, thank you very much indeed for listening.
1: Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for your time, and thanks for thinking of us when you were you were doing this.